0: Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do whatever they tell you, but not the works that they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth. For you have one father who is in heaven, neither be called instructor, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. No, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted.
1: And those are the words of Jesus Christ. Um, We're going to be looking at this final big section that Jesus has, and it's meant to be heard. It's meant to be um, a a, a message, a a sermon preached to his disciples and to to the crowds, where Jesus is warning against something that you may actually think is a good thing, but it's not. Right now, in our culture, it's being described as both a bad and a good thing. And I, I, you might think that what I'm going to be doing today, and a little bit next week, and then even the following week, um, arguing over just what a word might mean, but it's it's deeper than that actually. Because I don't care what you call it, religion is actually a bad thing. Religion itself is a bad word, and what Jesus is doing there in Matthew chapter 23 is he is addressing the to the crowds and to his disciples. In the presence of the religious leaders, the establishment, what Jesus is is, is explaining is that when we try to understand who God is on our own terms, it's not good, it's not right, it just leads to a dead, empty religion. And again, you may have gone to school somewhere and, and they had like a world religions class, and they sit down and they describe, now these are the world religions, and then they take each one and they divide it up. This, these are their doctrines, these are their beliefs, and these are their practices. This is what Buddhists believe, and this is what they practice. This is what Hindus believe, and this is what they practice. This is what, and they have all these different groups. The Bible gives a different approach to this, and I'm very aware that even discussing what I'm going to be discussing today is somewhat uh, Controversial. Because we live in a day and an age where we want to treat everything as though it is all equal, and this book doesn't really give that same perspective. Do you know that? This book doesn't say all religions are the same. It doesn't. It does say that all people are made, foundationally at the very beginning, creation, made in God's image. Therefore, we need to love and to care for and to witness the truth about God to all people, but not all religions are the same. Actually, religion itself, if you would mind me just trying to differentiate this for the sake of understanding this text and applying Jesus' words to our own lives, religion is a bad word. Religion is this, humanity coming together and asking themselves these particular questions. Number one, where did we come from? Where did we come from? We want to know, like, what is our origin? Um... Who made us? Why are we here? What What is the purpose of our existence here? Why am I here? Purpose. When I die, where do I go? And and before, kind of kind of in that same line, what is right and wrong while I'm here to get me to where I want to go, this afterlife. What's that, what does that connection look like? Those basic questions are common, and every world religion has, a, has an answer to those. When, I'm, when I use the word religion for this morning's conversation, I want you to think of it in these terms. It is humanity's understanding of God, us pooling together our thoughts and saying, this is what we believe God is, and this is we believe how we please him, and this is what we need to do. It is a man-originated idea. It is a humanity's collection of of thoughts. And then it becomes our expression outwards towards the deity. That is religion. Some religions in the world claim that they had special messengers. Okay, It's not just just Muhammad who claims that. It's not just um, Joseph Smith who claims that. There's a number of people who claim that that not God himself, but usually some kind of angelic being, came down and told me some truths about about the world and about who things are. And by the way, that is not this book. This book has angels in it, but this is not a revelation from an angel. So there is a... A desire within all—all all, well, actually, I would argue with all all humanity—to understand where we came from, why we're here, what is right and wrong, and what happens when we die. And there's many different expressions, and they're not just—they're not just cultural. This isn't just a sociology issue. It's not just a psychological issue. It's—it's—it's. It's, it's, I would argue fundamentally a lot more than that. And the Bible treats this issue of of religion again. Our attempt to understand God, our attempt to to figure him out and to try to respond to him. And it works anywhere from this far extreme here. Religion is designed to control the deities. How can we act a certain way to control the deities? Now, others may say, no, we're really not controlling him. What we're really trying to do is appease them. Okay, controlling just sounds, it's, it's far too negative. I really don't mean that. Really appease them. It, to take a middle ground, um, this, this word might be a little bit too strong, but it, it literally is a to manipulate my behavior and life circumstances so that I can have, in the words of someone, my best life now. How do, how, how do I get that? How do I do that? How do I, how do I live my life so that God will give me everything that I want in this world See, all of those ideas, control and appeasement and manipulation, like all of that, those, are, those were great and they work really well within religious systems. And Jesus steps into that context and goes, this is all broken, like this is wrong. And he, he literally looks at the crowds that are lost, his disciples who see something in him but have the temptation within them always to go back to religion, I I like, you know what I like about religion? It's like, it's clear. Do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. It's clear. And Jesus is offering, hey, it's not just, if you go back to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's not just whether or not you commit adultery or not. It's not whether or not you murder someone or not. It's what's going on inside you. What does Jesus really care about? What's going on inside your heart? so Jesus is constantly attacking people who are religious, saying, you, you, don't, you don't get what's going on, you don't understand what's happening, you're trying to figure this out on your own, and I'm, I have come here from God. I'm not an angel. I'm not, a, I'm not a collective group think. I am God in the flesh. And that, that, that changes everything. And you and I live in a time and in a location where religious um, ideas, it's really good for us to be um, not just tolerant, but almost like not really, I would argue, kind of the degree to tolerance which the world wants us to have really removes us from actually really thinking through the issues, really critiquing the issues, not just other religions, but even our own faith. what I want to do this morning is to hear the words of Christ and to see how they fit in with the rest of Scripture and then to take heed at what the Bible says about your attempt and my attempt to change this incredible thing, this relationship with God through Jesus Christ and turning it into a religion. To show you the danger of just this idea that, hey, as long as, as, long as we're sincere and as long as we kind of do the best that we can God really doesn't care what we do. That's a very popular opinion, is it not? As long as we do the best that we can, as long as we try, as long as we don't hurt anyone as defined by you and I, okay, then in the end, what does God care what we do with our lives? Well, let's, again, going back to use this as kind of an idea, this is our framework. Okay? We are people of the book. We're not the only religion that is people of the book. But our faith is of the book. And so the book comes to us. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 16. Jeremiah is going to be preaching to his own people. To the people that God called up out of Egypt. To the people that he gave a land. To the people that he gave a king. They are now in rebellion against him. What they have decided to do is take God's commands about what their faith is what their worship should look like, and they got together and they said, I don't know if God, Yahweh, is really going to care if we decide to blend our worship styles with the, with the nations around us. Like, I think we need to be more open-minded about this religion thing, and they were very open-minded. And they took their faith in Yahweh God, and then they would just like add little pieces here and there. Right? Who, I mean, who would do this? But they did it, okay? Now, I know it sounds crazy to you. Who would do this? But they did it. And Jeremiah gets a word from the Lord. And I just want you to look at Jeremiah chapter 116. If you ever wonder if all religions are the same in the mind of God, I, I totally get if you want to just jettison this from your life and go, all religions are the same. And therefore, the Bible has no meaning or purpose. At least you're being consistent. But this book has a real issue with those of us who decide, kind of by ourselves, outside of God's revelation, what God is all about or what religion is all about. That's a really dangerous expression. God says to Jeremiah, these are the words of the Lord, and I will declare my judgments against them. These are his own people that he called up out of Egypt, that he loves, that he cares for. I will declare my judgments against them for all of their evil. Now, what is evil? What is evil? You know, like porn and murdering people and stealing things. Like, no, that's evil, is it not? Now, that is evil. Not not what I do. What I do, those are little mistakes. But, I mean, if I were to list them, I mean, there is is evil out there, is it not? What's interesting is, is that what we all do is we take the expressions of our actions, these things that are called sin or rebellion against God... And we think that's the issue. Religion loves to say, you know what the problem is? The problem is that you stole something. The problem is is that you're prideful. The problem is, and it lists all of these sins. "These These are the problems. No, no, no. There's a root issue here. And the root issue, the Bible says, from beginning to end, the problem is not our sin. The problem is, look at this. I will declare my judgments against them for all of their evil in what? Forsaking me. Adam and Eve decided, we're not going to follow what God says. The children of Israel said, we're not going to follow God. We're going to make up our own rules. And the church has said, you know what? I think really we're going to do this. I mean, throughout history, people have said, this is what God said. You know what I think would be a better idea? And it is that forsaking... Of God and his revelation and his word that then leads to manipulation and control and destruction and selfishness. But don't equate these bad things that you and I do as the problem. No, the problem is the root. That root is the issue. And that's why Jesus goes after the root. Jesus goes after the heart. He says, listen, it's, it's not these outward expressions and by the way, these outwards expressions happen to every, every group, every, every religious expression of trying to, trying to please God have all of these outside symptoms. I would strongly argue that only Jesus deals with the root. Notice it says, as it continues, they... By the way, let's, let's not consider these people. Let's, let, I think it's a good idea. Let's consider the people that Jeremiah has, has a problem with as having the best of intentions. I have no idea, to, to, no reason to not believe they had the best of intentions. And they're very intelligent people. And they're doing something that is consistent. So they've got sincere hearts. They have made offerings to other gods and they have worshiped the works of their own hands and God calls this evil and that's what God's judgment comes down against this is why it's sobering for all of us this is why at least I've never been able to come to church and go oh I'm so glad God's like totally cool with everything that we've been doing no Now, God does love us and there is a a favor that we have with him, but what I love about the Bible is it speaks the truth to all people and it teaches all of us that we need to hear from the word of the Lord and to respond to him, no matter who you are, no matter where you've come from. Hear the word of the Lord and respond to the truth about God and the truth about God in Jesus Paul comes along and says a very similar thing. So Jeremiah says it in the Old Testament. But how about the New Testament? Does the New Testament have some of those same questions or those same problems with religion? Yes, it does. Acts chapter 17. One of my favorite stories. The Apostle Paul is someone who is very Jewish in his upbringing. Someone who has a, 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 a Jewish heritage. And then he meets Jesus. And Jesus fundamentally changes his whole way of looking at the world. And now, all of a sudden, Paul becomes a witness to who Jesus Christ is. And wherever he goes, he tells people about Jesus of Nazareth, and they need to build their life around Jesus, not around their old way of living, but around Jesus. And he walks into Athens, Athens, Greece. This place, if there were smart people around, they lived in Athens. These are people that love to talk about politics and religion. These are people who love to look at better ideas and they loved to look at the world and say, you know what, we'll take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. We can actually pull these things together. I can't imagine the deities would mind and they could create this huge conglomerate of religious ideas and pat themselves on the back and say, "Aren't aren't, aren't we just amazing? And Jesus would say, no, you're actually rebellious. Like you, you, you've decided to disconnect yourself from God and from his revelation and you are now stuck trying to figure out life disconnected from God's revelation. And Paul walks into Athens where all these very intelligent, and again, why, why don't we just assume the best of intentions on their behalf? And what does he say? Notice, men of Athens... I perceive that in every way you are very religious. Now, when we hear that, I've heard a lot of people preach this text and think that what he's trying to do is, um, you know, kind of come along and say, hey, congratulations, at least you're religious. You know how we, we love to talk about spiritual people as though they're almost following Jesus? We do. I mean, I, this is so true. This is me. You know, well, the good news is they're not like a, like a foregone pagan. They're like super religious. They love to pray, and by pray I mean talk to themselves because they're really not talking to God. And they really love to do like religious type things, like you know, like buy Tom shoes. Okay. And they are—they are so in tune with nature, and they're just—they're—they're they're a really religious person. They are so spiritual, like somehow. That that spirituality, which smells like religion, according to the text, brings them closer to God. And you and I believe that. If we're going to be honest, don't we believe that? are not some pagan out there. No, no, no. They are this close to Jesus. Really? Like they're really ready to listen to Jesus? Oh, no, 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 not at all. But you know what I mean? All the other stuff. Jesus is the very cornerstone of our religion. He's the very centerpiece of our religion. You're not almost following Jesus by completely ignoring Jesus. No matter how spiritual you want to pretend you are. So Paul comes in, and by the way, this would be, I would argue, a bit of a slam. I don't know if they picked it up. They probably patted themselves on the back. But this this is a critique from a Jewish person. You're very religious. Notice what he says. For as I walked along, I observed your objects of worship. He then goes on and says, man, you guys will bow down to just about anything. I saw a God over here, the God of sex. I saw a God over here, the God of war. I saw a God over here, the God of love. I saw a God over here, the God of fertility. I saw, actually, I saw this one God. You said, hey, I bet you we haven't found all the gods. We should have like an altar ready for some God we don't even know about. That's how religious we are. That's how almost like God we are. And Paul's going, all of this is a broken mess. The Bible doesn't speak well of religion. It doesn't. To, to the point where James has to say in the New Testament, like pure religion, like an, an unadulterated version of religion, and then he describes it as, as, as really being very close to the heart of God, caring for widows and orphans. It's interesting. He says, I want to I cut through all of, the, all of the selfishness and all of the brokenness, and I want to get right to the really issue. James has to do that. Why? Because religion just messes people up. And it can mess us up. If we're not careful, it can wreck us. That's what Jesus is saying in this warning to the religious leaders. Here's what religion does to us. Number one, it gives us pride. This is a way that you might even know whether or not you have Jesus or whether or not you have a religion. Is whether or not you have any kind of a pride. Because here's where pride comes from in religion. Hey, look what we figured out. And you know how smart we are? I mean, not everybody else figured this out. You know those dumb people over there? They're bowing down to cows. They're bowing down to, you know those dumb people over there? You know what they do? You know what those stupid people over there do? But not us. We figured it out. Man, aren't we smart. See, that's pride. You don't see that in the Gospels. You don't see that in the Apostle Paul. There's not a pride, look at us, Look what we did. We figured it out. You know what else it leads to? It leads to an identity that is usually rooted in something other than God. Religion is an identity that is usually rooted into some kind of amazing understanding. It can be rooted into a particular race or a particular gender or a particular way of life or a socioeconomic standing. Look at us. Look at our identity. This is why religion does lead to war where we can then take our supreme understanding of all things and force our will upon others. That's not a biblical expression, though. That's why particularly in the New Testament, the response of the early church is not imposing will. No, when we talk about going, when we talk about engaging people, it's not imposing our will upon others. You know what it is? It is giving witness to who Jesus Christ is. I'm not here to oppose my will upon you. I'm here to witness to who Jesus Christ is and what he did for all of us. And then I'm here to tell you about what he really did for me. But I'm not here to coerce you. Paul made it very clear. I'm not trying to use a flattery of speech. I'm not just trying to win you over to a position. I'm just here to tell you about Jesus. And I'm gonna leave it to you. You You can't coerce into the kingdom because it's a hard issue. Religion, you got to follow this, and you got to do this, and you got to do that. And if you do this, we'll reward you. And if you do this, we're going to punish you. That's religion. That's never been the church. And Jesus sees this in the religious leaders of his day. And I'm sure he sees Peter going, I like this. I really, I really like this. You know what Jesus could have done better? You know what Jesus, you know, Jesus, can we talk? Because I, I think there's some things... I think you're a little vague with some of your stuff. You talk about the hard, but what does it really look like? And you know how I know that's a really big deal? Because that's the number one thing I want. Like, I want a clear expression. How much can I spend on a car? Where it's not too much and it's not too little. How much do I have to spend on a house? How much do I have to give? Am I, am I gathering too much? Am I in too many groups? Am I not in enough groups? What does God want from me? Anybody go down this road? You know what Jesus says? Just come to me. Now, by the way, we'll work all that out, but you want, yeah, I want rules. I want more and more rules and more and more rules because if Jesus, then it's clear. So you don't want me. I just, Yeah, no, I don't want you. I just want rules. Is that what we do? You know, you have a book. And that's why I'd even challenge you. There's the beauty of it. Some of you are thinking right now, you're telling me there's no rules in this book? Oh, yeah, there are tons of rules in the book. And guess what the book says all the way through it? And doing all of these rules is not going to save you. All the way through. That's not a New Testament idea. That's an old and a New Testament idea. God said to Israel in the Old Testament, You guys know how to follow it along, but your hearts aren't in it, and therefore I will judge you. God says, I want to reveal the truth about who I am so that you would know me and that you might obey me. But if you just try to follow it as rules, you don't know me. That's the Bible. We have this identity and we have these, another thing that a religion has, by the way, and there are some, there's some interesting overlaps. Religion has the, have these powerful experiences that begin to define us. I don't deny people's experiences. I really don't. I mean, how can I? Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I did. You, you didn't. Yes, you did. I don't even know what I'm saying now. And it's the, it's the experience that defines me. It's these prayers that I do. It's these actions that I do. And those are what's def- what define me. And that's why I actually love studying world religions. And I see all of the overlap. And that's why it is not our prayers that define us. It is not our giving that defines us. You know what defines us? It's not our experience. No, everyone has an experience. You know what changes it? You know what totally defines everything? Everything. Jesus it is our experience with him it is our prayers to him it is our submission to him that defines everything and then lastly this is what religion does that the bible warns against it gives a false security a sense of false security security is big in religious systems so how do I know that I'm good with God like how do I know well have you done any bad things yeah we'll try doing more good things and by the way right now I'm talking about like a lot of churches that I know. I'm talking about maybe even a lot of families in Sunnybrook quit doing bad things, try to do more good things. And then you'll know. I mean, talk to somebody about what it's going to be like when they die and whether or not God's going to accept them and people get nervous because they think of their bad things. That's a religion. So when I say to you, stop, you're about to meet the creator of the universe, you're about to find out whether or not your eternal, so there is a God, you're about to meet him, and you're about to find out whether or not your eternity is far from him, hell, or is with him for eternity, heaven, you're about to find out, what are you thinking about? If you're thinking about you, you have a religion. If you're thinking about Jesus, you have Jesus. Tell me what you think about. You see the fundamental difference? Just think about Jesus. Jesus is not a false security. I would argue the reason why the world religions are constantly up and down is because they have to measure themselves by whether or not they've done enough. And, and therefore, I, and, I, and this is, I, I see it in us. Have I done enough? I don't think I've done enough. I really need to do more. I really, we don't think, I I was talking to my wife the other day, we really need to do more. Why? Well, you know, because, you know, God, he's going to get us. It's not, you know, I was thinking about what Jesus Christ did for me. And I look at the the responsibilities he's given me, I'm looking at the blessings he's given me, and I just think that he has put me in this position to give him glory and honor and praise. See, one of those is actually a response to Jesus, and the other one is a religion. And do you worry about you not doing enough? That's a religion. And that's a false security because you're building on your own up and down spirituality. And all of ours is up and down. So what's the difference between following Jesus? That's the word here for Christianity. What's the difference between Christianity and religion? Jesus points it out by looking at these religious leaders. And he says, and by the way, it's not just happening in the religious leaders, but here's what he says. Notice this. Here is religion. Religion is, and by the way, this can happen to the church. Nobody gets a pass on this. We can't just say, oh yeah, but we're totally excluded from that. That's just God going after everybody else. No, no, no. God goes after everyone that doesn't make much of him. He does not have, you know what the Bible says? He does not have favorites. He wants everyone, Drew's final words that he was like reciting from the words of Jesus Christ, not was, and everyone who is proud and not pretending to be a follower of Jesus, no, 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 it's, and if you are someone who likes to exalt yourself, no matter where you're from, no matter what, no matter what race, no matter what gender, no matter what you call yourself, if you exalt yourself, you will be, you will be humbled. And if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. That's what he's giving. That's what the warning he is giving. But what we actually see, the difference in Christianity and religion, is religions love to preach and they don't do well practicing. Hey, here's what you should do. Here's what you should do. Here's what you should do. Now, I don't really do it all the time, but here's what, I, here's what you should do. Here's what you should do. And Jesus says that is a sign that something is disconnected, that something is broken. Now, by the way, there is a difference between those people who are saying, Man, I'm working with this and I'm struggling with this. This is something that God is getting. I'm in a constant state of knowing who God is and what God is doing and giving my life to Him. That's not hypocrisy. But there is a danger when we love to stand up before others, and you don't have to be a preacher to do this. We stand up before others and we pretend we're more spiritual. We love to preach. We love to tell people what to do. We love to voice our opinions. Even if it's just for your 3,221 friends on Facebook that you're really intimate with, wherever it is you like to preach, you're gonna give some way of living, some way of thinking. But Jesus knows, man, you, you talk that game, but you don't live that game. That's religion. Jesus also says, this one really kind of hit me hard. They love to tie up heavy burdens. That's a religion. You know what the answer is? More rules. More rules. I remember when I was preaching through Leviticus a number of years ago, I went back and I looked. And um, if you look at the, just the state of Oklahoma, you can actually see like the list of the laws for the state of Oklahoma, like back in the, in the 20s and then like 1919, like it's in a book that's like this thick. Okay. And then, you know, 1919, 1920, 1921, 1922, 19, and they keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Why? Because you know what our problem is? We just need more laws. Like now it's it's crazy big. You, you don't have to be like you don't have to be like religious. You could actually just be somebody who actually believes that people are generally good, and the reason how we can control and live with one another is we just need more rules. This is why for those of us that just want, you know, I wish wish the Bible had more to say. Like I just would love to know like what television shows I can watch, especially the ones on Netflix, because some of them are really cool. I wish Jesus had a Netflix section in here. And that's really the answer, isn't it? The answer is more rules. And we believe that. If there were more rules, it'd be more clear. And if it was more clear, we would be better people. That's the problem, clarity. And clarity means more rules. Jesus says that's a sign that you have a religion. I don't know if I like the leading of the Holy Spirit. I wish someone would just tell me what to do. It's a dangerous sign. And the amazing thing is, here, here's where I know it happens to me. Um, if you've been in a situation, moms and dads, if you've been in a situation, you find out your kids are not the people that they pretend to be. You feel like your trust has been violated. You find out that the, the room that they, you, you gave them, and they promised to be good and promised to be kind and promised to be nice or promised to whatever, and all of a sudden they took that and they, they made some really, really poor choices. What's your What's your response? We need more rules around here. You're grounded. Give me your phone, your car keys. We'll fix you. Like it wasn't working before. And so we're going to totally change your heart by taking away your phone and your car keys. By the way, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that there aren't some consequences. I'm not saying that for these guys going, cool, can you talk to my parents? Indra Andrew and I, one of the things that we did right, we didn't do a lot, but one of the things that we did right, she did more than me. One of the things that we did right was we, we really understood the fact that, that these consequences weren't going to fix our kids. We got that from Jesus. That There may be consequences, but they're not going to fix it. It's way more complicated than that. They love to tie up heavy burdens. Look at this next one. They love to do their deeds to be seen. Like I know I'm religious, look at me. Did you see what I did? Do you know what I do? By the way, Jesus says that it'll be a good thing when we do good deeds because people will see it and they know when we're doing it for God, they they will recognize that we're doing it for God. So Jesus isn't against us doing good things. But there is a difference between are we doing these things because they flow naturally from us or are we trying to impress others? Or, or, or tell you what, in your best day, you're not trying to impress anybody but him. And there's a kind of impressing him that, is, that flows from gratitude and gratefulness. And then there's a kind of impressing him Your heart really isn't in it, but God, if I do this, if I do this nice thing, you owe me big time. You have a religion. Jesus says they love the place of honor. They love the place of honor. Why? Because it's about the here and now. So I love the special things that I get. And, And he says this at the very end, I love this. And they love being called rabbi. They love being called doctor. They love being called mentor. They love being, they just love the titles. They just absolutely love titles. You can tell people if they love titles, you can tell that somehow they are just completely not satisfied with this title, follower of Jesus. No, that doesn't sound right. Follower of Jesus PhD. (laughs) Follower. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't work that way. It just sounds dumb, doesn't it? Are you happy with the title Follower of Jesus? No, it's not flashy enough. And, and by the way, it is hard for those of us in ministry or in leadership. It can be really difficult for us because there is something that can be alluring about the stage or the pulpit. But it's, it's, not, just, it's not just us that, that, that make a mistake. Like, sometimes it's just, um, it's just even the people in the church who look at the rabbis, who look at the great teachers, who look at them, they are just, wow, Billy Graham, he is awesome. Like, I bet you Jesus is lucky to have Billy Graham. Francis Chan, now there is a guy who is so awesome. And we treat them like they're superstars. And we're way more interested in what Francis Chan says than Jesus. That's not, by the way, that's not Francis Chan's fault. Like, that's ours. So, it's not just that they like to be called rabbi. You know, it's a religion when you love to call them rabbi. Why, why do you think we try to do our best around here? Um, uh, Jim, who, who are you at Sunnybrook? I love to say this. I'm one of the pastors. No, but which one of them are you? Well, you know, I'm the lead pastor. <laughs> just in case you're wondering. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not just, I'm not just a loser college pastor like Scott and Drew. I don't just play with your kids like Zane, Gucci, Gucci, Gucci. I am the lead pastor, thank you very much. Like, that is so broken. That is so broken. Yeah, I, I really, you know, I want to make sure that I have a relationship with, you know, the lead pastor. Why? Like, listen. Like, I, I get it. I mean, I, I think I would I, I, I like to have relationships with people, but why do you need me? When we went to Ghana, which by the that ministry is just amazing. They had about fifteen hundred baptisms last year. Working within, particularly the Muslims in Northern Ghana, it's incredible ministry. And I went, and we were giving a lecture, and these, these, these guys with terrible road conditions and the most complicated travel, with, with a, they're pastoring a number of different churches because there's just not enough pastors to go around. And some of these churches are like, like 20 people. They meet under the tree in Bongo. And they need their pastor to come. Now, the one thing that works really well in Ghana are cell phones. So there's like immediate access to every one of the pastors. And we were talking at this conference with 70 of these pastors in, in northern Ghana, And they said one of the hardest things is that we get get these calls and we got to go visit with all of these people and you've got to visit with them because if you don't come and pray with them then they believe God's not going to do a work. If this here, forget it's it's a phone, if this object here is something that we need in order to get God to bless us, get the light to shine on it, right? (laughs) We need this here. We're going to ask God for something but we need this here. We need this object right here, and this is the object that's going to kind of focus the God power and then right in me. Okay, what do they call this? What is it? Yeah, we're so that, that's so dumb. What I need is a pastor. What, what, what do you call that? What do you call that? Not, not when you would like me or, or Drew or whoever. Not when you would like someone to come and pray over you. Last, just like a, two weeks ago, a number of us gathered around a man who was bedridden, and he asked us to come so that we might anoint his head with oil, like James says, and to pray over him. Glad to do it, brother. You need me to come pray? I'm glad to do it. But if you want to put me here to somehow magically get God to work for you, that's jacked up. That's not what this is about. Do you understand that? I'm a brother in Christ. My name is Jim, not lead minister. My mom doesn't go, Hey, lead minister of Sunnybrook, would you like breakfast? She literally is Jimmy. That's what she calls me. Or my wife, James Allen Johnson, get in here. My wife has never referred to me as lead minister. She's never, like, recited any of my diplomas or anything. Hey, Jim. Jesus says, because this is, this is how you know it's broken. So here's what Christianity gives, different than religion, with fancy titles. Christianity says this, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus says it again. And he's telling his disciples, like, I know that you're going to be so tempted to make rules. You're going to be so tempted to want seats of honor. You're going to want churches named after you, St. Paul's this and St. Peter's that. Don't let him do it. You're going to get so wrapped up. You're going to be so just kind of drawn into this. Don't do it. It's a religion. It's not about you. It's not even about us. It's about him. And Jesus is about, to, next week, go, goes off on the Pharisees in particular. But right now, he's just warning the disciples. And I think the warning is needed, like the warning is needed for us. And do not trade a relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't, don't trade um, communion with God. Don't trade prayer with God for like some kind of religious expression or idolatry. Why would you give up Jesus? For a religion, so I 'm just going to end with this. <laughs> That's, it actually is not getting old in my book. So this answer the answer to this whole dilemma that we have of wanting this religious expression, the answer is what? Do you remember? It's Jesus. It once again, it's him. He comes to us and he says, you cannot do this on your own because you have a heart problem. And, and don't just take the, don't commit adultery, but now I'm asking you, don't lust in your heart, and then just making that a new law. You, you missed the point. That's what we try to do. Was, was that the new law then? So the old law was this, but now Jesus gets, no, 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 no. The, the new thing is, is that what you need is me. The new thing is, is what you need is actually the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I'm really grateful for some people that God has put in my life. And many of you know this. I have a, a young man who lives with me who's Muslim. I love him. I love the challenge. He's very challenging, he's a very intelligent young man. But I love the conversations that we have about faith and about how to please God and all of these different questions. And, and the most amazing thing that I like to keep coming down to is like, so how do you know? Like, How do you know that everything is good between you and God? How do you know that everything is? And It's just absolutely fascinating how um, they're not just doing those things like somehow that, that, that Allah doesn't know that they're bad, but they're, they're just they're trying to figure out a way to, to live faithfully. And they've got a book that says these are the things that you need to do. And that's what their book says. And by the way, do you understand like our book doesn't say that? Our book doesn't say do these things and you'll be right with God. Our book says trust in God and believe in him. Every plan he's ever given to you, it is done primarily through Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension gives you life. Connect to that and you will have eternal life, a security. You won't have pride. You'll have a deep sense of gratitude for what God has done. And you will have an identity that can't be based in any kind of gender or any kind of nationality because it's all genders. It's all nationalities, isn't it? I think there's only two genders. So all of those things. And it pulls us in together and there's no room for pride. Why? Because all of this comes as gift. Because God came to us in Jesus. That's what I mean by Jesus is the only answer. Do you have a religion? Oh, man, I hope you don't. It's our prayer that you have Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you have done and continue to do in Jesus. God, I pray that we wouldn't take this text or this message and somehow become prideful of what we have. All those other people that don't have our views, that don't have, and they just have religion and we have Jesus. Father, those thoughts are foreign to this text. May we live lives of love and gratitude for who Christ is and what he has done. God, may there be no identity outside of the identity that we share with Christ. God, may the security come not in our own good deeds, but in what Christ has accomplished for us. God, may we remember that we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers of this dark age. May we remember that we never coerce, we never manipulate, we just give witness to who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. God, free us from religion. Give us Jesus, and in him make us content. In Christ's name we pray, and all God's people said, Here's how you know if we start messing up, if you see lead pastor parking spot. (laughs) Now, that doesn't mean that I won't occasionally park wherever I want if I'm in a hurry. (laughs) But I don't think I can park there if your car is there. So whoever gets to that area right beside my office door first wins. Um, But I do mean this. I hope that that you're looking at this church, even at its leaders, and saying, we want you to be like Jesus. I hope you hold us to that. Because I know we want to hold you to that. I hope as moms and dads, you recognize the need to be held to that. Followers of Jesus, first and foremost, amen? If you want to continue this faith conversation sometime between now and the giddy up roundup that's happening tonight at six o'clock, we would love to talk with you up here. God bless, love you guys.